This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to the awful and awesome entertainment rap. Hello, hello. Welcome to the awful and awesome entertainment rap. My name is Abbas. And I'm Nanika. Today, we are going to be talking about a bunch of things. Uh, but before we begin, once again, as you would have noticed, uh, Abhinandan and Rajshree uh, are not with us today. Uh, so once again, I get to hang out with my Delhi friend, uh, <laughs> Nanika, and catch up on our lives. Yes, I mean, absolutely. culture is... Just an excuse. Uh, recessions incoming. The earth is heating up. But Abbas and I are here to talk about what we watched this week and other musings related to whatever we observed from that. So you know, yes. life keeps going on. <laughs> yes, and uh, this week uh, we have something uh, outside the general TV show and movie uh, sort of area. So we'll get into that. We will be talking about uh, the latest uh, latest. cog in the marvel machinery which was uh, doctor strange and the multiverse <laughs> of madness um we will also talk about uh, love death and robots which is a the volume 3 I, I, volume 3 which is a which what which i found out is a very uh, a cult netflix favorite it is, it uh, is. of of a lot of people uh, we'll talk about those two we'll also talk about a very unusual film that i really liked and so did nanika called chip and dale rescue rangers a <laughs> uh, lot of it to unpack there Uh, and then nanika you will be telling us about some things i had no idea about uh, so what what are those things uh, well balenciaga recently unveiled its new collection and they hosted the you know the fashion show so we'll be talking about that simply because it's just like it's going viral on the internet and there's a lot of shock value to it so i do want to talk about it and this um, and, and the new song uh, so this artist called santi gold which i will talk about how like you know the mechanisms of how her popularity came to be etc etc Uh, she released a new single after really long, so I believe there will be a good, um, interesting little thing to talk about. Mm. I think at this point it's like three layers, like how uh, uh, Abhijanan and Rajshri say that they feel uh, out of place and old discussing stuff, so they handed it over to me, you and me, and now I feel I learn new things from you as well. So it's 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 a nice. Well, half the things flow. I watch, I watch on your recommendation. I would not have watched Chippendale if you didn't ask me to. So you know. <laughs> uh we both have a lot to learn <laughs> yes um before we get into the meat of the show i would just like to remind our listeners and our viewers uh something that we've been uh reminding you guys for the last couple of weeks but i think we should do it one more time uh, that the offer and awesome will be going behind a paywall soon so if you want to keep listening to these episodes uh with me nanika rajshree and abhinandan please do subscribe to news laundry like uh, like good people and do not be mufat khors like uh, like abhinandan says on that note uh, we'll start with our first uh, issue of the day uh, issue topic uh, <laughs> whatever we want to call it well, let's uh, call is... it issue because of how much of an issue i take with marvel in general oh my god <laughs> shots fired nanika is not holding back Uh, which is of course Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. I did what I had to do to protect our world. You opened the doorway between universes. And we don't know who or what will walk through it. Wonder. What do you know about the multiverse? You break the rules. I become a hero. I do it. I become the enemy. It doesn't seem fair. Things just got out of hand. I'll open it the same way that I always do. You're the comic book fan. Do how? When did you come in contact with Doctor Strange's character? What do you think of it? Do you like him? What do you think of the movies? So Doctor Strange was never like a, a top tier favorite of mine. Uh, he was someone who was like uh, when whenever you would read issues of like team up. Uh, kind of issues where multiple superheroes would come together to defeat a villain. Doctor Strange would be somewhere there. I liked the mystical element of Doctor Strange. There's a, I mean, if you if you trace the history of Doctor Strange, there's a lot of, uh, uh, he's influenced by a lot of psychedelia of the 60s. Uh, uh, I did not creator, know that. Interesting. Yes, the creator who made him, uh, called Steve Ditko, uh, had this one phase where he would uh, just do uh, LSD. Sort of. <laughs> I I was trying to avoid saying that, but yeah, you could say that he was drawing things under the influence <laughs> of certain substances. Interesting. Um, 
so i was i knew about doctor strange but i wasn't a huge fan and then the when the benedict cumberbatch film came that's when i kind of really uh, sort of uh, hung on to doctor strange i was like okay i don't know about the roots of the character but the way uh, benedict cumberbatch plays him was very charming and i really liked the first doctor strange film and the subsequent appearances of uh, benedict cumberbatch in uh, many marvel films so yeah i like doctor strange i wasn't a huge fan but i was really looking forward to this film because uh, the way it was marketed um, was like oh this this film is going to change the uh, the 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 his the outlook of the marvel cinematic universe and something really massive is going to happen um which i have thoughts about but uh, what what about you what did how did what were you feeling when you walked into <laughs> listen i am not going to go into my general you know uh, my general opinions on marvel etc etc because i've covered that on the show a lot yeah what did what were we discussing last time moon where dr strange moon came moon oh yes yes moon yeah uh so yeah so without getting into all of that i'm going to say that um This is, I think, this is the second standalone Doctor Strange movie that I've seen. I've seen the first one. Uh, Abbas, tell me, was Mark Mickelson the villain in the first one? Yes, correct. Uh, Mads Mickelson and Chiwetel Ejiofor. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, were both there. kind of yeah. Technically, the villains. The villains in the first yeah. One, yes. Uh, so I remember watching the first one, and I remember I was a little fascinated with his backstory. I feel like Marvel does like whenever they introduce a new character, I'm always really int- intrigued by the possibility of what can happen, and then sort of like as it progresses, they treat it a little poorly. <laughs> Uh so again uh so when like uh, Doctor Strange as a character when I saw the first film I don't even remember when this was this was like really this long back This was 2016 back. Yeah I don't think I went to the theater I caught it on either okay. Netflix or something or TV or I'm not sure exactly but uh, I liked the first one Uh this one I'm going to say I um, actually you know what I, you tell me your opinion first It was a mixed bag for me uh so I I should also tell you that the the, the director who has directed this film Sam Raimi is a is a legendary director he directed the original uh, uh, toby maguire spider-man films and before that in the 80s he made the evil dead trilogy which is oh, uh, which, yeah. I, which everybody I loves yeah the right. holy grail of horror and everybody has borrowed from those films and he's almost making a film after i think some 13 years or so so i was very uh, intrigued uh, 13 or 9 or 10 years uh, about a decade since he made his last film So Which I was, was very, the last film that he made? Uh the last film he made was a was a box office bomb called Oz the Oz the Powerful or something like okay. that. It had James Franco. It was supposed to be a sequel to The Wizard of Oz, but it uh, it bombed pretty clearly. badly. Mm. Yeah. So I was actually more uh excited to see what he would bring to this. And by and large I really like the horror sensibilities of the yeah. film. It is it is Sam Raimi of the 80s kind of showing hey, guys I I can still do this thing and Yeah, even uh, I thought the stylistic choices of the movie were very interesting. You know how it looks like a slasher flick. It reminds me of the yes. time that I was, you know, I was like 12 or 13 and I used to spend my like afternoons watching all those Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger sort yes. of slasher horror yeah, yeah. and how it borrows elements from that like all of that that zombie thingy all of that um, Uh, so that was I loved the stylistic choices of the movie. I must say, like uh, you know how I I told you like earlier as well that I rank movies on how they appear to me in the theater, and based on that, I thought this wasn't terrible. Like, <laughs> no, it's not terrible, but it almost feels like they had a fun little story yeah. going on, like you said, a standalone story. And then the executives at Marvel were like, "No, but we have to make this connect to twenty-seven <laughs> other things and put references here and put characters who people will get uh, applaud when they appear uh, uh, in the theater." Um, so yeah, I really loved the third act. Uh, I mean, uh, it, the movie's been out for a while, so I'm not going to give away the entire third act, but. Let's just say a zombified version of Doctor Strange takes care of things, <laughs> which I thought was very bold because you have one of the most good-looking exactly, actors. Exactly, exactly. Well, but I like that stylistic choice, and also the zombie movie. Like the whole themes of it were very reminiscent of how Hollywood treated zombies when it started making zombie movies. Uh, it's very on point with that. I will have to say the plot made zero sense, though. Uh, what the hell was happening? <laughs> <laughs> 
um so what was happening was marvel has now introduced this thing called the multiverse oh yeah uh this is the third iteration of it we watched uh, we watched it in uh, in loki in the last spider-man film and now this and i still don't know what exactly the multiverse is loki it, it, which loki movie like 20 not the year? movie the the tv show loki oh it does it also tom hiddleston in it yes tom hiddleston <laughs> did a whole tv show with marvel did a whole okay. tv show yes all six episodes of it okay i guess yes <laughs> Uh I I I would give anything to listen to the fanboys who are pulling their hair out right now like <laughs> this girl doesn't know um and apparently it was the most watched uh, TV show for Hotstar uh, for for Disney Plus that year which which was last year um I had but... no clue but I'm glad to see Tom Hiddleston <laughs> is booked and busy after you know teenage yes. girls on Tumblr stopped thrusting over him uh glad to have glad he has a career still <laughs> So right now, multi the multiverse seems like just a plot device that Marvel can use to bring any actor from any <laughs> property into their own, um, and yeah. Yeah, essentially uh, they formalized everybody's contracts. You know, which is why I was thinking when when I was asking you whether Mark Mikkelsen played the villain in the first one, I was thinking that you know, did he, like, how did he negotiate his contract? Because I don't think I've seen him in any other Marvel movie no. since. I'm he glad. Just for, he just he did took his one check and, and he, he bounced. Yes. <laughs> so good on Max Mikkelsen's, you know, legal team and agent to figure that out that he's not, you know, enslaved for his entire life now. Good on that. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Elizabeth Olsen? Have you seen uh, uh, WandaVision? Uh, did you like her as the villain? I have not watched WandaVision, but I will have okay. to say <laughs> what was happening. <laughs> just <laughs> her motive like i mean okay i understand that you know uh probably because most of this movie this media like marvel in general is also supposed to be aimed at kids so they don't have plot devices that are very intense or you know all of that but i'm just like where is the sense of conflict like like an average ghibli movie has more conflict and character growth than like whatever's happening with multiverse of madness like the motivations behind what scarlet witch did were just like all over the place it didn't make full sense to me Uh so after a point it was just like while it's a good movie to look at it's very weak from the point of like what's happening here. So. Right. Yeah, I think uh, you're right about that the motive I think there's a line in the film I'm not a murderer I'm a mother or something <laughs> like that I'm like that's not how it works. Um <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah. It, it made Marvel sense, yeah. Marvel has a has a mother problem right now. You can't just uh, the motivation <laughs> can't just be mom issues. Yes, you can't just be I want my kid so I'm going to kill everyone. Yeah, exactly. Um, just like kids that I uh, okay, I spoiler alert. I mean, technically spoiler alert whatever. Uh but just she's just like my kids that I created in my mind are now dead so I'm going to I don't know go wreck rampage. And also the thing why in so the whole movie Scarlet which again spoiler alert technically but like <laughs> essentially she's so powerful that is just like whatever opponent she faces she somehow manages to defeat him. So essentially her power is like I don't know maybe she's one of the most powerful characters in the Marvel universe they have that concept of x characters the most powerful x characters the most intelligent in all all of Marvel cinematic universe whatever maybe she's extremely powerful but where's the conflict in somebody in a person facing an opponent that they are going to destroy like what is it that you're looking at like forces are coming at her and she's just destroying them without much like without much conflict going into it i'm like what what is happening here is just what am i looking at <laughs> i didn't hate it i will say but yeah i mean the plot made very little sense it was still interesting to look at you know and they even i think it was sam raimi's thing like he treated the multiverse concept nicely that they travel through multiple universes and each universe has its own like stylistic aesthetic yeah. choice and um very bold and, and interesting the, and the fact that there was a character specifically just made to travel across universes yeah. uh her <laughs> name is america chavez yes. in the in the movie uh, i don't again i don't know much about her comic book history but i learned that she's a new character who's uh, who's queer and very sort of uh, very popular among the younger kids well, marvel nowadays marvel loves to call things queer but there's absolutely <laughs> you know like i don't know like there's this like very pure disney sense of puritanism yeah, so yeah. they don't it's show any uh, queer sort of yeah it's a very uh, uh, token token uh, appreciation yeah, of yeah like uh, three movies and they'll probably show her holding hands with another girl and they'll be like oh queer representation you know what so there's a flashback scene in this where we see that uh, america chavez had two, two mothers, mothers yeah, uh, right yeah. 
and they are marvel is going so gung ho about the fact that they did not cut that scene for the chinese market so <laughs> they they want like appreciation for that i'm like okay, okay. um but sure, before we, before we before we uh, move on to the next thing i'll just say so you haven't seen wandavision right what yes irritated me is that wandavision was precisely uh, within the span of the show Uh, we were introduced to the idea that wanda has created her own children and by the end of that show she comes to terms with the fact that these children are imaginary and she can't have them exactly oh, so then why so, did she go back on exactly. that exactly so when when i was watching doctor strange i'm like why have they retconned that moral of the story in the last tv show exactly there's uh, again i was going to say the same movie. like there's no concept of character growth right with like like essentially you see conflict in other movies how it proceeds as conflict happens and then the person learns something about themselves grows in a way and then overcomes the conflict but there's no sense of growth here with the and and the grow like clearly like i did not know this about wonder vision but i didn't know that like she put in the effort to understand that oh i'm doing something that is psychologically weird and then in the next movie she just doubles down on the fact like no lessons learned no best practices nothing no there is no character growth because the villain of wonder vision is getting her own spin off <laughs> So so I'm looking forward to discussing that with you. Oh god no. If there is growth then the movie will end. Every, I don't want movies to end. Every episode I've recorded so far I've had to talk about something Marvel. I some superhero something and the only one I genuinely enjoyed was Batman. Um but uh, <laughs> So I have to ask you there's one section of the film where uh, Doctor Strange go, travels to another universe and he comes face to face with a bunch of new heroes. Um did you know any of them did you give a shit which new heroes remind me uh, so i'll i'll mention the one which is in the trailer you see um, uh, patrick stewart as charles xavier oh yeah, yeah i saw chair. i saw that one i did i did right uh, were you at all excited when they came on screen you're like oh it's that guy from that thing i know no okay <laughs> Fair enough, Nick. <laughs> I I I hate to rain on everybody's parade. I'm sorry, but I'm not a. <laughs> no, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> but were you? I mean, since you, I should be asking yes. this question to you, since you're the one who's more immersed in. Yes. So again, it's so um, weird that for every uh, story point, I'll have to give you contractual <laughs> obligations of uh, what goes on behind the scenes. So I'll very quickly try and do this without confusing you. So. part of marvel characters and properties were owned by a rival studio called fox 20th century fox yeah i assumed uh, the the charles xavier the X-Men. thing he's yes. x-men is not owned by disney right not it wasn't till last year and oh, then okay. now disney being the behemoth it is that it is now even bought fox so now technically uh, disney owns almost all of marvel so they can introduce these characters at their will so fanboys and nerds like me are waiting for the day when the x men will come into the marvel universe but the x men will also get the marvel treatment then yes and you're looking forward <laughs> to that you, you say want... as if that's a bad thing okay so but we were marvel all waiting... will definitely shill a lot of money to you know whatever course, character yes. goes into x men all of them will be buffed and they'll get their own nutritionists and how how kumail nanjiani got buffed <laughs> everybody would be buffed like that yes <laughs> and i look forward to that day. um <laughs> i do too so just we were so all <laughs> dreaming of the day when pat uh, patrick stewart as P- professor x will show up and usher in the x men saying mutants are now part of this universe but then okay how that there doesn't happen in this a lot movie? of x men movies also and i felt and it's like as far as i know none of them were like cult hits or like of course they were <laughs> I only know the one where James McAvoy was, and I know it because James McAvoy is very good looking. <laughs> But wow, other okay. than that, I have no clue. I know one Jennifer Lawrence did one. I know she's done three. <laughs> okay, and I know the red-haired girl from Game of Thrones. Sansa did uh, one as well. Yes, uh, uh, Order of the Phoenix. Is that's Harry Potter? Oh, oh yes. <laughs> But it is to do something with Phoenix because her uh, her character is called Phoenix. Okay, I'll give you a recommendation. Please watch Logan. Okay. It's it's Hugh Jackman. It you don't need to see any Anything of the else? previous X Men. X Men. I films. like Hugh watch Jackman, Logan. so I'll watch it. Sure. Well, yeah. Sure. It's a superhero film that's done as a western, so please watch it. Okay. So back when superhero movies had, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> not. It's from 2013 or 14. It's not oh, okay. like back. Okay. Okay. Relatively then, yeah. recent. Back when Relatively Iron Man recent. was still good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, so I I'm being too will... cheeky uh, with my commentary. It's okay. <laughs> uh, in in June they are debuting Miss Marvel which is about a Pakistani teenager. Oh yeah. Uh that I want to watch and I want to discuss. I think you. I will watch it. So uh, Abbas, do you know of Chudels on Z5? I've heard about the show yeah, but I haven't yeah. seen it yet. So one of the characters, one of the leading characters from Chudels probably has like a 1 minute role cameo uh, yeah cameo role whatever you want to call it one minute cameo in um, in miss marvel and i'm very excited for her because i think she's a great actress and i love chudels okay. in general so maybe i'll watch miss marvel for that you know fawad khan and farhan akhtar are also in the show no yes fawad khan is not there was a rumor no okay so, sorry sorry the rumor was that fawad khan was going to be on the crown but he is not going to be on the crown oh really there was oh. because now you know okay. so as uh, as diana's story progresses the crown will have to introduce Fudodi uh, Alfail. Yes, so they were like, oh, this, this, so there were rumors that Fawad Khan might do it, and I was like, oh, I might restart watching The Crown for that. But no, But he didn't. He didn't get it. You know why I believe Fawad Khan might be in it because I've read the comic book, and in the comic book, uh, Kamala Khan dreams about Fawad Khan in in the comic. <laughs> so now, yeah, now they have all the oh, so have resources. Oh, okay. yes. Now well, they have all the resources to make it real. Uh, so but I, I hope Fawad Khan gets the Marvel check. Good for him. Yeah, <laughs> good for him. <laughs> True. Um, cool. So, uh, uh, Doctor Strange, thumbs up from me, and I look forward to the seventeen. Thumbs other up from me also. Off. Actually, I'm not. I didn't hate it. I know I criticized the plot, and remember those are my general criticisms of Marvel. I'd say like, as I always say, if you're a Marvel fan, you're anyway going to watch it. So it doesn't matter what I say. But if you're not a Marvel fan, I still say it's not a terrible movie to watch. You'd have fun. Cool. Now let's talk about Love, Death, and Robots. Yes. Uh, which series three, volume which dropped three, on Netflix. Three. Volume three. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Now who's being a fan girl? <laughs> well, Love, Death, and Robot deserves the love. So you know. Sure. I am in no mood to repeat myself. I am the only one who can keep this ship on a straight keel. What the fuck is that? The soldiers, not fucking archaeologists. The swarm is a perfect organic system. We can bring order to the chaos of human expansion. <laughs> They were mean to robots, and then robots killed them. <laughs> so, very simply, Love, Death, and Robots is an anthology series, animated anthology series, and uh, each uh, anthology short film has a different style of animation. It's so every. With Every ep- every episode of the anthology is done by a different studio, uh, done by somebody else who's directing it, and done but done by somebody else who's sort of like in charge of the story. So every episode is sort of like an independent contract given to a studio and given to a person to sort of look. So every yeah every episode has a different animation style, but all their animation styles are actually very good to look at. Yes. Uh, so I I think saw two or three of them when volume one dropped out of curiosity, and I liked it, but. I just wasn't something I stuck with, uh, and then I sort of uh, forgot about it. And then uh, volume three dropped, and you were very adamant that I watch it. And uh, I have to be honest, uh, I didn't watch all of them. Not because I didn't like them, There's because I didn't have. There's only about six or so. So. Yeah, so I watched four of them, I think. Yeah, that's good. Uh, enough, and I yeah. and I'll tell you which one uh, was my favorite. But um, yeah, I mean, t- speaking of. Uh, standalone stories uh, each of these little anthologies are standalone in uh, unto themselves and um, so all of them have this little thing right like the twilight zone type thing where they they end with some sort of a twist they do there are a lot of those anthologies are also like they're not they're based on short stories or sci-fi short stories okay. written by somebody else not all of them okay. most of them mm-hmm. yes So right. yeah so all of them like the th- theme of love death and robots is supposed to be this existential uh you know this Carl Sagan type of sci-fi where in the end you're left pondering about something or the other you're left sort of questioning uh which is why i think it gets the rap because i feel like no mainstream cinema isn't you know going to scratch that itch for stories that really truly leave you wondering at the end except for Christopher Nolan which is i mean brilliant like valiant attempt on his part <laughs> um but yeah so love death and robots it's like you get short stories they're well done they're very well animated and they really really sort of you know they 
creates like sort of an emotional response from you, which is why I feel like they they got the popularity they they have. It's not particularly heavily promoted by Netflix, also, but all seasons have managed to be, I think, sleeper hits. And also, I think, um, I think with Love, Death, and Robots, it's volume one. They tested out this thing where. Um, Like every person got like a different order of episodes to look at. Oh really? Yeah, it wasn't the same. I think it was the case with this. Uh, but okay. yeah, the order of episodes was not the same because again, each episode is not connected to the other. You can start at yeah. any point in the series and still watch. I it. think they're still doing it because when I, I mean the first episode that uh, I got was uh, the swarm episode, uh, and when I actually checked the uh, like the, the to, to check how many episodes there are. The swarm episode was actually somewhere uh, in the bottom, but it played first for yeah. me. So I guess yeah. it's still doing that thing. So they sort of yeah. But, so so yeah. volume one, it definitely did the thing where the order of episodes is not the same for everybody. Uh, but yeah, okay. So so why do you love it so much? And uh, are you an anim- animation enthusiast? Am uh, I? An, no, I don't <laughs> think I'm particularly an animation enthusiast. But I'm I I like animation. I'm not gonna say I do hear this criticism, especially from a lot of like. people who criticize marvel is the fact that in america <clears throat> animation jobs are not union jobs so you can force people to work longer hours and you can force them you can you know keep keep them on contracts so essentially mistreat like animators yes. uh so there's some like so there's always that been that thing about animation that i'm not sure exactly um But they are uh, very overworked and they are very uh, overworked. Yeah, it's slightly yeah, yeah. an exploitative industry, but uh, I am. I mean, who doesn't enjoy good animation? So stylistically, yes. But I think what I really like about it is are the stories, and I feel like the stories, the scale at which they are, and the level of fantasy that they need, they would never be recreated in real life. So animation sort of like necessary for a lot of these stories, which is fair and fine. Um, But yeah. So which which one of these which one of these was your No, you tell me. I've been speaking for. Uh okay, I'll tell you my favorite one. It was uh Night of the Mini Dead was my favorite. Uh, uh which is about a zombie ap- apocalypse. Oh, the very short one. The very short one. It's like <laughs> 7 or 8 minutes. Yes. Uh it's the small people. Uh, it it it. I mean, I'll I'll read out the synopsis. This is from Netflix. Yeah. I'm not giving no anything spoilers. away, but yeah. this is exactly what the entire seven-minute film is about. Uh, a bit of unholy cemetery sex ends badly, kicking off a worldwide zombie plague. It's the cutest apocalypse you'll ever see, <laughs> and it really is. It really was, <laughs> and the end also was very like. I mean, it was seven minutes, but it did manage to a little bit of seven eight minutes. It managed to genuinely leave an impact because the end is so. I loved the. I loved the end as well. <laughs> like you said, it's very Carl Sagan, and you're waiting for that moment to come, but it takes you completely exactly, somewhere completely different. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so at the end of it, you really are like it. Really does leave you with something to think about. So, uh, I don't. I, whoever you are, if you can handle watching slightly more of stuff, I would hundred percent recommend Love, Death, and Robots. Uh, but okay. there's always that thing. Okay, so uh, no wait, I have more questions. No, no, I'm not so ending. The... I'm still talking about <laughs> okay. it. Don't worry. <laughs> I can go um, on and on. <laughs> The the second best one I thought was the which shows as the as number one in the list, uh, three robots exit uh. strategies, uh, <laughs> which is a very which starts as a post apocalyptic world where machines have survived but humans have not, and whatever remaining humans. So basically, the machines are going through the rummaging through whatever is left of um, what whatever is left of the humans, and it's. pretty grotesque because there are skeletons everywhere and everything's rotten and 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 that is how i think the world will look like in 5 years no don't say that as <laughs> i said you should have hope oh yes we've had we've had this existential crisis before um But once again i would not give the ending yes. but it's a beautiful ending yes it is it's, it's a very lovely ending <laughs> Uh, so what I would say even about that episode, there are a lot of these. Uh, I've seen in other episode, like other volumes as well. There's that theme where, like, I think a lot of stories, a lot of sci-fi in general, is a comment on how humans don't to their greed comes in the way of like survival. Right. Where humans are geared about survival, not looking at it as a community thing, but as like an isolated or as an individualistic thing. And what Love, Death, and Robots is essentially over and over again, over and over again, and again commented on the same thing that humans sort of tend to see it as a very individualistic, uh, or be tend to be greedy about survival and how it never ends well for us. Um, which I mean, I think I really like the one that you're talking about, the first episode as well. But what I didn't like was, uh, you know, that preachy tone that it takes, where it's just like yeah. we're all doomed, and you know how humans are, and it's a, so knowing that you know. 
I'm just like uh, maybe like a slightly different way of looking at it would be really interesting. Uh, okay. So yeah, I mean, I feel like we as even collectively or individually or whatever, we're very scared to talk about death because in general, it is a very morose concept to sort of think about. And what I like is that the show is willing to embrace that death is something that. under circumstances that are very weird or under circumstances that are very completely normal whatever death has implications death is something to ponder about so yeah i really like that abbas have you ever grappled with your own mortality or have you had any particular uh, every single day <laughs> <laughs> what's been the most meaningful moment where you sort of thought about you know what now that you i mean i don't know about meaningful <laughs> but okay i'm going to be very um I'm going to tell you my emo kid story. Of course. Is, uh, oh. When I was when I was I think 20 or 21, uh I used to go to poetry open mics and read out uh, poems and um, the one poem I used to read out everywhere was titled Dear Death. And it was a it was a letter to death. <laughs> Would you be comfortable like a, sharing it? You should let people have it. Oh man, I should uh, let let let's see uh, if I if I if I am able to dig it out by the end of the episode. I'll we'll 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 end the episode with <laughs> that. Reciting to your death. <laughs> yes, actually, you know what? Actually, do not do this. I was about to say if you YouTube Abbas moment death, you might <laughs> it might show up somewhere. But do not do this. But the best part is so my father found this poem lying around somewhere. Uh, in my bag and he's like beta itni itni dardnak poem kyun likh rahe ho kuch acha likho kuch aisa likho jisse log khush ho i like no dad no. life is pain <laughs> um, but you know what i feel i feel death is very humbling it's very it it's a it's it like that's the one thing that where which everyone is on the same level <laughs> yes mm, i mean yes but also like Uh, I mean, sure, your I mean, the rich person's coffin will be much bigger, better, but yeah, bigger and better. Die. Oh, do you have any sense of like, do you, do you have a personal belief? Do you have personal faith that there's something exists beyond death? Again, that's something that changes day by day. Um, when you're brought up in an Abrahamic faith, you have a very clear sense of heaven and hell because that's fed into you since you were a, you're a kid. Uh, and then I question that on days. and then i feel no there's nothing is just you die and everything ends but then i feel that if everything ends then uh, what about those who do horrible things do they just get away with it so so i want a sense of punishment in the afterlife but not too harsh because i have also done bad things <laughs> and i don't want to be punished really badly so i don't know i don't know it's just one of those eternal it, it questions is, it that it is it is definitely confusing yeah. you have to grapple with i saw yeah. this tweet recently which was like uh, you know faiths that have a concept of reincarnation or faiths that believe in reincarnation sort of also tend to maybe give rise to people who are willing to give up their lives for uh for for movements or for anything they consider meaningful enough because they're like oh i have more lives to look forward to i was like okay i mean i personally have never really believed in reincarnation i also don't really tend to think that um our actions would be weighed on a scale and then there is a divine entity that is willing to sort of look at your rights versus your wrongs but i mean but yeah you're right when you see somebody doing something really terrible like say looking at a war criminal i'm like are they answerable to nobody for doing what they did but then again it's like uh yeah that's very difficult to grapple with yeah. uh guys you're still listening to awful and awesome <laughs> uh this <laughs> This is just a little tangent we've gone on. <laughs> sort of philosophy sorry, podcast. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, okay. Um, okay, can I can I very quickly ask you what uh, what was swarm about? I did not get that one. It just totally went over my head. I think it was about the survival of humanity and like basically our hubris as opposed okay. to the hubris of a character of a organism that exists in sort of like a very entangled community state and how long those can survive so it's supposed to be again a meta commentary about human greed and how humans sort of have an individualistic sense of thinking that doesn't really help them ultimately okay like i get the get the point uh, yeah that, the uh, ending uh, didn't hit me as hard with swarm exactly yes i was very i was like that's it how did why did yeah, why yeah, did it yeah. end and how exactly. did it exactly like most stories they instill like a sense of maybe fear or something in your heart swarm didn't do that but i understood like what it was about i have to ask one more thing stylistically speaking which one was your favorite episode Hmm, it's hard to pick one. I I think I will I'll still go with uh, Night of the Mini Dead. Yeah, it was a very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it had a very sort of school project look to it. 
that they made a cityscape and there are little clay claymations of uh, uh, little tiny beings, people yeah little tiny people <laughs> so even though swarm was like the most expensive looking because they ha- they do very you uh, didn't watch jabaro did you no i haven't oh, okay hmm. jabaro was insane and intense uh my favorite episode did you watch the one where she is the she's a cosmonaut on io no Oh, you missed that. <laughs> I I will catch up on all of these uh, eventually. Uh well, I'll tell you the plot of my favorite one. Uh, there is one cosmonaut. Uh, so basically she's on a mission on Io, which is a, one of the moons of Jupiter. And uh she sort of her space craft crashes. It breaks down and she's supposed to make a journey across the planet as a volcano erupts and volcanoes on Io um release sulfur. So she's sort of supposed to walk in this cloud in this storm of sulfur and she's supposed to walk like a really long distance to sort of get to like to a place where some you know somebody else can pick up her signal and then she can be found sort of a situation like that. Uh but what happens is on the way she injures herself and she injects herself with morphine. So she has to take this incredible journey across a planet where her life is very clearly in danger she's all alone there's nobody around her she is traversing the very unforgiving unforgiving topography of a planet that she knows nothing about and she's high as hell <laughs> uh but it's very existential it's very beautiful and it ends on a note of hope unlike the other stories unlike the other stories you sort of tend to be like Oh there was you know it's just oh it's all over but this one very very deeply sort of relied on hope it was very beautiful and it had a sense of the fact that there is life after um you know physical death or whatever so it was very very beautiful to watch and uh, I absolutely loved it and uh, is yeah. that why you were asking me about the afterlife you were setting up No no <laughs> I wasn't I was story. just in general asking about death and that came up but no 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 this one I actually just made the observation now that it also does talk about that um stylistically Jabaro was a, a very like aesthetically pretty to look at it's essentially the story I'm not going to it's a bunch of like medieval uh medieval I've soldiers I've seen this yeah I've saw I've seen uh, visuals of, of this in the promo yeah, yeah so medieval yeah. soldiers they're traversing through a, a forest and there is one 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 supernatural entity there and that's all I'm going to reveal about it it's very short it's very intense to look at it's gory uh and it's like visually and stylistically very intense so if you sort of tend to get overwhelmed very quickly i don't think you should but yeah it's interesting nevertheless a lot of these are quite gory there's one uh, mason's rats Oh, uh, they kill a cat. <laughs> and I was very upset about that. Oh yeah. Oh that rat story was interesting. And the end yeah, I liked as well for that one. Uh okay listeners before we move on uh, I would very quickly like to make uh, two announcements. Uh, the first one is that News Laundry has two new Sena projects ongoing right now. The first one is called The Yogi Who Has It All uh, and the second one is called Bulldozing a New Image in MP. So these uh Sena projects will be possible with your help dear listener as we don't depend on advertisers or corporations so please contribute to the Sena project and pay to keep news free remember with every contribution you will get free merch and subscription and uh, the second announcement i would like to make is there's a subscriber meetup happening in australia uh, manisha will be hosting a subscriber meetup in sydney on may the 29th and in melbourne on uh, june the 4th so those dates again sydney may 29th and melbourne on june 4th so if you want to attend these meetups please write to us on subscription@newslaundry.com and uh, we will get back to you about how you can attend those meetups so those are the two things please uh, please follow up on them and now uh, let's move on to something i really enjoyed nenika called chip and dale Rescue Rangers There's like there's no case to big no case to small when you need help just call to ch 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 bandit Rescue Rangers We are we're sticking with the uh, <laughs> with Disney properties and this is also kind of similar to to A Multiverse uh it's an animated film Um so Nenika tell me what did you think about Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers you saw it on my recommendation so I want to know All right so I will say for all intents and purposes it is an entertaining movie to watch uh Ooh there's that tone of yours again like ha huh, it was good No <laughs> 
it was not great. Actually, no, I'm not going to say that it wasn't great. I think apart from like maybe one or two things, I thought it was actually very nice. Uh, it was very cute to watch. I know you don't like Andy Samberg, but I think uh, he's. Nice. I like Andy Samberg. I don't get the hype around him. I don't know why people think or treat him like the funniest thing of this generation. I'm like, hi, it's okay. He's he's okay. I guess uh, maybe because you know means I don't know I think he has more like one of those rare comedians to have the mainstream popularity that he does with Brooklyn Nine Nine, uh, so maybe that is the, his visibility is the reason he's talked about as much. I love him in all the Lonely Island stuff he does. I think that I love hilarious. Lonely Island. <laughs> Genuinely, but on funny. Brooklyn Nine Nine, I think he was he was too Andy Samberg. For Andy Samberg, you know what I mean. Fair, fair. I love that movie <laughs> yeah. of his Palm Springs, which is not a comedy movie, and hundred percent would recommend everybody to watch it. Uh, so yeah, for all intents and purposes, very entertaining movie, very cute, uh, <laughs> and the premise is genuinely hilarious. So, uh, Abbas, talk about it since you are so excited. Okay, wow, your your review ended way sooner <laughs> no, no, than no, no, I, no, than no, I no. thought. I, I'll it talk would. about it further, but I want you to sort of give the premise and so okay. love it so. So Chippendale Rescue Rangers is a, a, a new Disney movie that's on Disney Plus uh, or Hotstar. It is based on the 80s cartoon Chippendale, uh, which I grew up watching. I uh, never Chippendale. Chippendale. You did or you didn't? I never did. Oh, okay. So uh, Chippendale are two chipmunks uh, who go on adventures and uh, with a little uh, ensemble of uh, people. Um, but... Where this movie begins is very interesting. This movie takes my favorite premise, which is what if cartoons were real? What if cartoons were just like movie stars and they had agents and they had to go on shoots? What if everything you're seeing on animated cartoons was was real, guys? You know, think think Space Jam, think Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and all of these films. So this film. Uh, tries to imagine what would have happened had Chippendale been a real show and had been cancelled. And those two actors, some 20 odd years from that time, now had to make a living. And it did. It does this very smart thing where it plays with animation where uh, amongst Chippendale, uh, Chip, who kind of has is, is now down, on, uh, down in the dumps and selling insurance, is still a 2D character. Whereas Dale uh, has had 3D reconstruction <laughs> surgery and, and looks like a CGI character. And he loves to say that, oh, my CG rework, my surgery, like my animation style change is is no, like, you know, he, he doesn't hide away from the fact that he's had cosmetic surgery for cartoons. Yes. So, I mean, now that I'm describing it, I realize it's very hard to describe what the film is. But if you're someone who grew up with 90s cartoons... Please watch it. So the film imagines um, a scenario where what if your beloved characters from these legendary companies, what would happen if they lost their glory and actually had to star in like bootleg versions of their own <laughs> their own films so and their own TV shows. So that bootleg was so funny to me. Oh God. Yeah. Like, so for example, what if Flounder from The Little Mermaid was kidnapped by a mafia and had to sort of star in a knockoff Little Mermaid uh, a cheaper version of it. Um, so yeah, please watch the film if you're an animation fan, if you're someone who grew up watching uh, cartoons in the 90s. But this reminds me, Nanika, you were talking about how the animators are uh, uh, overworked in the US and they're not unionized. You would have noticed there is a cameo by <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog uh, in this. Ugly who Sonic. they call Ugly, Ugly Sonic. Sonic. <laughs> uh, do you know the backstory behind it? I do. It? So, see, that was one of my gripes with it. With the fact that if you have not hung out on Twitter like you and I have, you probably wouldn't understand why it's like... Like if I made my dad watch it, he'd be like, what is this thing happening? What is this Ugly Sonic, Ugly Sonic they're doing? So, what happened? So, if you remember the Sonic controversy, is they released the trailer for... This was Sonic 2, right? Sonic, okay, so the live action, the live animation, that Sonic movie, it came out and everybody on Twitter was horrified by the fact that the Sonic looked very ugly in the sense that they had given him human teeth and the animation style was so bad and people criticized it so hard that the studio was forced to just like overnight make the changes and create an entirely different looking Sonic character because people were just not ready to accept the first one. Uh, and then Ugly Sonic is quote unquote Ugly Sonic is here in this movie and he gets like 
and he has a meaty role it's yeah. it's it's not it's not nothing and the fact they keep self referencing it like yeah. they even make light and make fun of the fact that he was bullied off of the internet and he had to be completely reworked so even there like the studios in on the joke yes and you see this like you see a lot of these references where like i think hollywood in general loves self referencing is what i've mentioned you you see it with multiverse of madness you see it here that hollywood has this tendency to sort of keep referencing itself recursively and they're very fond of themselves uh which is what my problem was this movie is chock full of easter eggs which is good if you're un- like already aware of the characters you'd watch it and you'd be like oh okay oh that i noticed oh i realized this but if you i mean If I you, get it. Yeah. You're trying to say if you're in on the joke and you're aware yeah. of the yeah, cultural yeah. references, then you'll enjoy it. But a layperson, it might, it may not speak as much to a layperson. Yeah, but I feel like this is geared at an American audience, and they would be aware of what is being talked yeah, about. Yeah, I, so I think I think fair. it's it's geared at people like me, people who guys who are in their thirties who are man children and are <laughs> refusing to let go of their. Oh childhood. God, Abbas, don't talk so, about yes. yourself. So <laughs> can I can I mention one joke which I found was yes, like like I often do. Yes. I often mention one joke. <laughs> So there's a scene in the film where Chippendale uh, uh, sort of happened to uh, go into this very shady uh, uh, place, and uh, a Chip or Chip or Dale, one of them is like, "Oh my God, where are we?" And they look over, and there are there there's a there's a trash can, and there are two cats fighting. Only the cats are actually like the 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 actors from the movie Cats. Yeah. And and they <laughs> are loved, fighting. I actually loved that joke. Yes, and then. Chip says that oh my god we are in the in the dangerous valley. No, he's What like we're in the valley. He's like what valley? Yeah. He's like uncanny in valley. Uncanny <laughs> valley. Yeah, that was that was hilarious. <laughs> If you're aware of the uncanny uncanny valley co- concept, it's basically like when things are animated to be human, but they're not in that level of primitive humanness where we sort of think of them as cute. They're also not fully human li- looking. So they're somewhere in the middle where it's just disturbing. Yeah, basically every six months you will see a Japanese robot which looks like a girl, and it's like, oh, we are about to be replaced. But you will see that do- that robot is creepy as creepy AF. That yeah, is the uncanny. Think of valley. like you know what was that paperclip character in Microsoft? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Clippy, whatever. What was he called? Whatever his name was, who used to come like want to update. Yeah, yeah, things like app. that. So that Clippy, whatever <laughs> yes. character, he just has like two googly eyes, very big ones, and he occasionally just jumps around on screen. He is one end of the uncanny valley. Like he's very primitive. So you sort of see that's an inanimate object that has slightly human characteristics, and ha ha, it's so cute. It's a funny joke. So that is one end of the uncanny valley. What's the other end of the uncanny valley would be like a character that is so well animated that it looks in, like exactly human. In like the characters on Love Death Robots, some of them probably yeah, some of yes. them like really good animation is the other end of the uncanny valley. What lies in the uncanny valley is like really freaky stuff, like you know, like those one of those latex sex dolls that people. Yeah, I was just about yeah. to say, but I was. I was Resisting from saying it, but I'm so glad you brought it up. <laughs> yeah, those are fully uncanny, Larry. Like you look at it and you're scared for your life. So like that, that is uncanny. Uh, speaking of latex sex dolls, uh, <laughs> you're gonna tell us about the Balenciaga. <laughs> no wait, finish Chippendale. No. No, so I lo- like I said I love Chippendale, but I get N- Nanika's point of view. Uh, also, I d- I didn't see it that way. That uh, someone who's not well aware of the references would not be able not to fully immerse themselves in it of the film. Yeah. yeah but also did you so i only when i was like after i watched the movie i was sort of just quickly looking at it and doing the research and i realized that, that peter pan character is based on the real life person who played the peter pan character bob driscoll peter driscoll yeah. bob driscoll yeah. driscoll yeah. right he was um he played the character of peter pan he was signed by disney when he was a child only and then by the time he was a teenager he was thrown out and then his life post disney was terrible it was rife with drug abuse it was rife with poverty it was he didn't find work that he needed to things just went bad he was sent to prison he couldn't find work after it and he died a very terrible nameless pauper's death at the age of 31 in 1968 to the extent that his family wasn't aware of the fact that he had passed away for like 2 years after his death so yeah so i felt like you know referencing that but so the character it's a character based on this particular bob driscoll character he plays the villain in the movie uh so it was just i felt like i usually don't judge like moral choices of movie making but i just thought this was like a little too on the nose 
Mm. So I've I've read arguments where uh, people have tried to defend it by saying that this is like a backhanded dig at Disney that didn't they feel did not... like it. <laughs> True. Yeah. Uh, I don't know it. Uh, yeah, I have mixed feelings about that. I mean, so uh, Macaulay Culkin, the kid who was in Home Alone, um, he also had trouble uh, post his uh, post his film career as a kid, where he got into some hard drugs and. Uh, fell on hard times and now he's obviously much better but he has also poked fun um at his own addictions um Fair, you know, I guess, while growing yeah, up way of looking so at it. i mean of course i get it when you when you do it yourself you're in a way giving a message that i'm behind this i'm i mean this 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 phase of my life is behind me so i can make fun of it um but yeah i don't have i don't have a counter to that i think it, Fair, it is yeah. it, it, it does fall into a bit of a gray area where yeah uh, it was a bit of a moral gray area but that doesn't derail from the fact that still a, you'll like it you'll like watching the movie it's adorable and it had more character growth than dr strange than did. Doctor <laughs> <laughs> ouch <laughs> Uh, cartoon movie made for a kids. A cartoon movie made for kids that references like cartoon characters. A direct characters. to video cartoon. Yeah, film. like released on OTT platform did not get the release that Doctor Strange did, and I still felt like it had more scope for growth and emotional maturity than Doctor Strange. Tell us about the about the fashion show and, oh. the, and the song. So I told like I told Abbas that hey, would you uh, be okay if I reviewed this? You know this show that Balenciaga did, and he was like, I actually don't know what you're talking about. I'm like, no wait, your message was there are some alphabets also in that and and NYSE. Uh, that's and, and, okay. Okay. I'll what is NYSE? New York Stock Exchange. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. So Abbas, wait. So the fashion show was happening at the stock exchange. Yeah, inside the stock exchange building. Why? Why are you having a fashion show in the stock exchange? <laughs> See, that's the point. <laughs> I'll get to that. Essentially, I told Abbas that I'd like to review it. He's like, none of that. Like, fine, you can do it. Uh, and then later he texts me like with a link of the video of the fashion show, and he, he's just he's and he's just like, is this what you're talking about? And the tone of the message is just so devastated. <laughs> So before I get into anything, uh, I'll just actually quickly describe what I'm talking about. So Balenciaga is this old fashion house. They were sort of like dying out and not doing very well. And they called this Georgian fashion designer called Demna Gosalia. And they basically made him the creative director and put him on the helm. Uh, so Demna Gosalia, is, he gained popularity because he had his own brand called Vetements. And in around 2015 or so, he did a show where he... Showcased a lot of interesting-looking athleisure clothes. So, so this is what I sound like when I talk about Marvel stuff. To you, huh? okay. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but yeah. So essentially, he debuted his collection. It went very well, and then soon after, Kanye West was seen wearing one of the Vetements pieces. And essentially, because I mean, Kanye is Kanye. Demna Gosalia suddenly was like all the, and he had been he had been doing good work before this as well. Uh, but after that, he became very popular, and Balenciaga sort of brought him in to revive the fashion house. Um, and ever since then, Balenciaga has been pulling like, you know, like stunts of sorts. He has a close collaboration with Kanye West and close collaboration with Kanye West's wife, Kim Kardashian. So if you saw... Ex-wife? Sorry, ex-wife. <laughs> are they divorced yet? I'm not sure. They're I think separate. so, they are. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, but last year's Met Ball where Ka- uh, Kim Kardashian came to the ball wearing oh, that right. black Dressed outfit. as a Dementor, yeah. Yeah, like completely black outfit, like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was Balenciaga. Oh, so okay. that that explains so much of what I saw <laughs> in the fashion show. So yeah, that was my quick like recap of Balenciaga and Demna Gosalia. Abbas, from what you saw of the show, what I saw was <laughs> what your opinion uh, is. And now it all makes so sen- it makes so much sense because uh, I saw the footage. And if if you're listening to this, just pause for a few few seconds and go and Google uh, this fa- this Balenciaga uh, New York Stock Exchange uh, fashion show. Because everything from like, let's not even get into the what the models were wearing because I won't be able to describe it. I was wondering why doesn't this ramp look like a fashion fashion show ramp, and why are these people sitting in cubicles, uh, and 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 you know wh- why is this set up? And now it makes so much sense because it's a it's a business building and it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's the stock, it's the New York Stock yeah. Exchange, and. Yes. Again, look, I'm not I'm not claiming that I know anything about high fashion or anything of that sort, but. Uh, the 
the models just look like they were wearing latex balloons on their heads they were wearing uh, those are gimp suits though that is fetish clothing there, yeah, all, of, th- exactly. all of the models were wearing fetish clothing underneath the actual clothes that they were showcasing so there was a but s- what we saw was just the gimp clothing the gimp no 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 you saw the gimp mask that they were wearing and the clothing was actual balenciaga was, was, clothing was, <laughs> Oh, okay. So the <laughs> the gimp costumes are not made by Balenciaga. No, they're just they oh, put all the okay. models. So as Demna Gosalia said, Demna who goes by just his first name, like you know Prince and etc. etc. Madonna and Cher. He's just Demna. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. He put the models in gimp suits because he's like, you know, fashion is supposed to be about how it erases people's identity. So that's why he model wanted the models to be anonymous. Um, okay. Which weird style. I mean, I'm not gonna. So essentially, it was inside the New York Stock Exchange because in Demna's word, he's like, money is the biggest fetish in the world. And yes, I was about uh, to say that. Yeah. So, mm. uh, which is why the show looked like that. Now the thing. So it's just like with a lot of high fashion, Balenciaga sort of having an it moment, where all the American celebrities you see, you see them wearing all of that nonsense. Okay, I'm not going to call it nonsense. Uh, when you see them, you see them wearing Balenciaga. It's having a moment, and it's just like America has this sense of aspiration around what's money and what's cool that they will adapt anything that they think is the it moment. Not to say that Balenciaga's clothes are not bad, but I feel like even sort of Balenciaga's own designing is sort of in on the joke that this is accessible to a certain class of people who might or might not understand the emotional motivation behind why it has been designed in a certain way. So yeah that was very interesting to look at um and the fact that Balenciaga will continue to have a moment for a little while after you know and after a little while he'll be replaced by whichever new shocking designer appears yeah. on screen provocateur Yeah exactly whatever is provocative because again american idea is just like okay you have to hustle you have to grab on whatever's in the moment and make sense of it and uh, sort of grab on to whatever is trending which is what they te- are doing with balenciaga as well so uh good for them good for them doing what they are uh so yeah that is I mean, if you look at the show it's very strange clothing it's very strange looking and yeah i was like, about to say that i mean it's meant as a performance art right like you, you're not expected to buy these clothes off see the, the ultra rich who are who can afford these pieces are going to be buying it So you know, there's always like that with the gimp suit and everything. No, no, not the gimp suit, just the clothes. Okay. <laughs> um, gimp suits they'll already have. <laughs> They're rich people. <laughs> uh, yes, they'll probably just buy the clothes, and you'll see them having a moment. But I feel like you know, every stylistic choice is sort of like is very telling of the culture. Like the Art Nouveau or the Art Deco periods were more opulent, and now opulence for our times is very. it's looking forward to bleak times it's all color free it's minimalistic it's weird and torn up and it's just sort of sort of bizarre to look at because that's what we're looking forward to bizarre times uh so yeah but i feel like all all artists must borrow from future or try to contribute to the future in some way or the other and uh, that's what demna does even though the designs maybe whatever demna if you're listening to this i can yes. fix you <laughs> i think so <laughs> Well, you never know. I can fix you. You should contact. Um. So, uh, Demna is a is a is a guy. What's his full name again? Demna Gosalia. Demna Gosalia. Cool. I'll I will, I will dare to check out more of his stuff. <laughs> Who knows? Next time I see you, you're in full Balenciaga fit. Sure. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> Recording please the episode. That, Recording. Yeah. Please put that video. entire episode as a video episode. Yes. News laundry. <laughs> Full gimp suit and all, huh? Bus. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Why not? Uh, okay, it's weird to make a segue from that, but uh, <laughs> what's the last thing you want to tell us about? Uh, Santi Gold's new music. So I was just very quickly. Actually, I think when I was thinking about it, I had a lot of thoughts, but I would just very quickly condense it. It's just one single that is released. So, you know, how much can I talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> but I was more talking about Santi Gold's like career. Sort of, she has been around for some time, but she gained this newfound popularity back when Tumblr was at its peak. Uh, and she's released music after a significant length of time. So, you know, uh, look. So people are excited. Maybe there's more to come. Who knows? But yeah. So uh, Abbas, have you seen those videos where artists are complaining that their record labels are make them like produce TikToks to sort of gain popularity? 
yeah to go viral on tiktok so which i feel as people are, co- are rightly complaining that you know it is a little derogatory to art to be forced to do this um but yeah like back when tumblr when she gained popularity it was the era where i feel like i started using the internet around 2011 or so and i felt like back then the internet belonged to men and tumblr in a way was the first time that it sort of did you just say you started using the internet in 2011 like 10 as in aggressively as in having an internet okay. presence not sorry, like sorry i just had a boomer moment but continue <laughs> i'm not saying i was like completely a luddite i had no clue have nothing. you ever used the internet where uh, your phone wouldn't work because you were on the internet are you talking about a dial up modem yes yeah yeah when i was a okay. child for a very brief while like getting an email and stuff But no, I cool. luckily used like slightly more high speed internet. So uh, you were saying 2011, the internet belonged to men. So around the time uh, I since felt since then nothing has changed. <laughs> no, no, no. It significantly, markedly has is what I feel that it belonged to men in a way that it was their voices being heard and content was for them and what men said sort of you know was the thing. We, to be we shall about. judge that uh, after your uh, the the comments we get after your multiverse. <laughs> but of not saying opinions. that women don't get hated on, but it's still like they do have more of a voice. than they true did. true yeah um and the sense that women so tumblr was like the gateway to you know women having their own space on the internet and it was gave them a lot of freedom there was no censorship on that website at that point uh so that's when and no like back then social media was so new that people didn't know how to like how should brands be on social media or how brands should try to have a social media presence right so if you got popular then it was because somebody discovered your music and then there were very dedicated fans to it so tumblr used to do it where like girls would make edits or they would take aesthetic looking pictures and they would caption it with something moody i think arctic monkeys owes a lot of its popularity to the fact that women on tumblr really appreciated them and liked them Uh so yeah similarly Santi Gold also Santi Gold and uh, the rapper MIA who's Sri Lankan if right yes yeah so they gained like a significant amount of popularity back then so abbas was going to ask you like how do you feel as an artist yourself do you feel like this aggressive requirement to have a social media presence to sort of give your career boost do you think it's derogatory to your art do you think it holds you back in any way well it's a very loaded question but i'll uh, i'll actually frame it in uh, frame it this way that i probably wouldn't be an artist if it wasn't for social media because oh, i am an extreme introvert i was the quietest guy in school i never used to voice my opinion on anything um it was only through social media my before i ever went up on stage i used to put out my jokes as status updates and tweets on facebook and twitter and it was only when i got those likes on facebook where i was like oh my god other people also think that i'm funny uh that gave me the uh, that gave me the encouragement to eventually go up on stage and start uh, doing jokes but yeah now it has come full circle where i i really feel like i'm trapped uh, because of social media. i feel caged because of social yeah, media because like it's literally the first thing i do when i wake up in the morning i mm. I, i want to check how many likes and notifications i have on instagram i genuinely feel this need to keep keep churning out material if i want to stay relevant exactly uh, that's an, one of the questions that i was going to ask so santi gold's career she took a lot of hiatuses and every time she took a hiatus it was a significant dip in popularity right so i feel like how do you feel that you know as an artist you're required to have constant output to you know uh, to remain relevant to it remain is uh, <laughs> yeah i don't feel good about it because mm-hmm. i okay. think uh, we get so we are so overstimulated with everything that we are getting that firstly we are not as odd as we we used to be because every new thing that comes at us we feel like uh, we feel like we've seen this or why can't it be better fair and uh, i think it's it's I, i like i said i feel very trapped by it because uh, we are all very overstimulated with the amount of stuff that we are getting like you said record companies are now pushing musicians to make hooks that can be used in tiktoks rather than <laughs> meaningful meaningful songs or meaningful lyrics um so yeah as a comedian i i i also now whenever i am about to go on stage uh, i remember when i started doing comedy my concern used to be will i be able to make people laugh will i be funny will i be articulate now very often when i'm about to go on stage i'm like will this make a good reel uh, which uh, is which is not a good sign yeah No I understand. Yeah, I mean it sort of is um demeaning to have to, you know. Like Google SEO, Google search SEO is sort of ruined. <laughs> yeah. The vibes for everybody. 
So, so where does Santiago's music feature into all of Santiago, this? Santiago, just like she was very tough. Santiago, sorry, I'm so Santiago. sorry. Santiago. <laughs> Santiago. Uh, so yeah, the new release is very like it's fast paced, it's poppy. She wasn't so she's a black woman with a like her music was always alternate. alternative or punk rock so which is why record labels have this thing right if you're a black woman they think you can only do r&b or you can only do rap right. uh but she was sort of like she always had like a different bend away from what was expected of her so yeah so she is uh, you heard her music everywhere she was almost like not the same level of but like the same fun vibes of say doja cat has right now doja cat is a little bit more absurd but santi is santi gold is more like fun to listen to fast paced music if you want like something nice and like fast paced to sort of start your day or to listen on your morning commute i'd say you should try santi gold you'd like her and again doja cat i only know because i've heard her music in insta reels exactly <laughs> <I don't think>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah doja is again i think one of the most it was a really interesting artist and somebody that i'm really excited to see what more she will do So yeah, so yeah, Santi, new Santi Gold out. Uh, you should listen to it. Uh, I actually have you, have you heard the new Kendrick Lamar album? Yeah, I was literally gonna say the same <laughs> thing. I'm like, instead of Santi Gold, I should have been talking about Kendrick Lamar. But I haven't gotten the chance to listen to the album yet. But neither have I, and you know why? Why? Because again, I'm like, I'll 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 block two hours of my day, <laughs> and I'll only listen, listen to, to the this. album. And that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah, I also want to like do that whenever there's a piece of media that I'm really excited for. I don't want to distractedly consume it. I want to give it all my time. Yeah. But yeah, whenever we do, both of us listen to Kendrick Lamar's new album. We will discuss it hopefully discuss soon. It. <laughs> that and Miss Marvel. Oh God, <laughs> yes. Whenever the next time we <laughs> yes, uh, yes. we do this together. I mean, given Marvel's uh, output, I'm sure every episode <laughs> there will be. Oh, there is Miss Marvel in June. There is Thor: Love and Thunder in July. Oh my God. and then there is another show coming sometime in august so yeah we'll never run out of content don't worry so that brings us to the end of this episode i hope you enjoyed please subscribe to news laundry so that uh, you can keep listening uh, to our episodes uh, one final time uh, if you want to follow me on social media you can follow me on twitter at abbas momin or abbas momin 88 on instagram and with that this is abbas and this is nainika and it's a wrap All the news laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.